Take it to a cause Goodness to you I'll tell Of how the good old union Is coming here to dwell Tell me which side are you on Which side are you on Which side are you on Hello comrades and friends I'm very pleased to welcome you to this Women's Day event. I'm Christine Blower, and it's a genuine honour to chair this Women for Socialist Change online rally hosted by Arise, a festival of left ideas. And we're live streaming uh, on YouTube throughout the meeting. I will uh, update you as to how many people are watching what we're doing. As we mark um, International Women's Day 2023, Socialist women all around the world are at the forefront of resistance to inequality and to injustice, as we always have been. We're fighting for progressive solutions to all the crises that we face, including the health and environment and cost of living crises. And in this context of increasingly dangerous times in which we live, discussions such as this can be a key point to organise for an international agenda for justice and for equality. In in this fight for a better world, we need to raise and amplify our voices uh, collectively in solidarity, building links and solidarity internationally. And that's why I'm delighted to welcome such an incredible panel of women here today, fighting back both here, but also around the world. And let me say right at the beginning that these uh, these meetings all cost money. So if at any point you feel that you can donate £20 or absolutely whatever you can afford, do please uh, do please do that. The links will be uh, it will be available. But now, without uh, without further ado, I'm going to move to our first speaker, who is a Socialist Campaign Group MP. She is a fantastic voice for everything progressive as well as being an unbelievably good constituency MP Uh, and she runs really great campaigns both here and internationally for social justice. So Beth Winter MP I'm delighted to give you the floor. Thank you very much. Christine. It really is such a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak at this event today to celebrate this year's International Women's Day. And I'd also like to thank Arise for facilitating this experience. Many organisations are celebrating International Women's Day today. And for many, I've seen on social media, the key word this year is equity. It's about fairness, justice, impartiality and the path to equality. Words really do matter. How we address one another is important. And for me, these are key words that are so important alongside care and compassion, inclusion, opportunity and internationalism. But the word that holds all these in the palm of its hand that encompasses all these words is socialism. We are seeing the most draconian Conservative government in years, from attacks on workers' pay to attacks on those fleeing war and persecution. Women often suffer the most in all these situations. In terms of the cost of living crisis, just look at education and health, with over one and a half million employees dominated by women facing real terms pay cuts this year, as they have for over 10 years. 
They're often paid lower than men. Some of us discussed in Parliament only yesterday with reference to another sector, the civil service, and government employees and black and ethnic minority women will be at the lowest point of pay scales all too often. Similarly, the cost of private provided childcare increasingly dominates parents' working life decisions and blocks women accessing the labour market. In terms of policing and law and order, we now have a crisis of women's confidence in the police, in part due to a long-term fall in the experience of women complaining about sexual harassment and rape. There were 1,400 convictions out of 67,000 recorded rape offences in 2021. Absolutely shocking. But also because of the high-profile incidents, such as Sarah Everard's murder by a serving officer and the transcripts of violent, sexist conversations by police at Charing Cross Police Station. There were a record number of allegations of sexual offences made against the police in 2021. Also in terms of asylum rights, human rights, I cannot imagine as a woman the struggle that many will have gone through with their families, often young children to cross a continent to try to seek asylum here in the UK, and who are now facing the prospect of being incarcerated and sent goodness only knows where in contravention of every one of those words that I mentioned earlier, but in particular, care and compassion. Earlier this week, I spoke at a meeting about Palestine organised by your eyes, in which I made it clear that my heart goes out to all those mothers and families mourning loved ones across this troubled part of the world. But hearing the stories of Palestinian women from someone who had recently visited Palestine really was harrowing. As a mother myself, I cannot imagine the level of worry and anxiety these women face when their children are taken from them to where they do not know. Again, I'm really proud of the work in my constituency of Cannon Valley in South Wales of organisations like Palestine Solidarity Campaign in highlighting these stories and supporting those people in Palestine. There are also positive developments around the globe. I was delighted to see in Brazil re-elected President Lula appoint a Pareda Conclaves to head the Ministry of Women's Affairs and women to head the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Environment and the Ministry of Indigenous Peoples. This sense of solidarity is not new to us. We've shown our internationalism over many years, from those who went to fight and who died in the Spanish Civil War, to the support of the South Wales miners for Paul Robson, to the anti-apartheid movement leading to the welcoming of Nelson Mandela in Cardiff. The women of Wales, like women all over the globe, really have been at the forefront of the fight for justice and equality. Solidarity with oppressed people is not new to us. Our future depends on us building on these struggles, struggles for equal pay, struggles for justice, for an end to racism, for care for our fellow human beings. And we cannot forget the need to work for a green industrial revolution that saves our planet for our future and our grandchildren. But I want to celebrate the alternatives we see developing in the UK too. Labour has today announced a new review of the gender pay gap under former TUC leader Francis O'Grady, but there's much more to welcome. 
In Wales, Welsh Government is creating equality, race and disability evidence units to drive forward important changes in the way we work. Welsh Government has also introduced the real living wage for social care workers, a sector dominated by underpaid women, and has also plans to build a national care service. Welsh Government has launched a period proud Wales initiative to fight stigma in Wales, but also plans to extend um, the Wales and Africa small grant scheme to actively encourage period dignity project proposals in sub-Saharan Africa. And in terms of asylum rights, I am so proud of my Welsh Labour government and its declaration that Wales seeks to be a nation of sanctuary. In terms of LGBTQ plus rights, Welsh government now has an action plan aiming to make Wales the friendliest nation on earth for LGBTQ plus people. It is an inclusive approach and I want to celebrate that too today. And I'm so pleased that my women's branch in Cannon Valley this month will be debating this with Welsh ministers involved. Again, I can only salute the different approach made by Welsh Government on a range of green issues, including, for example, their stand against road building and their policy on establishing a publicly owned renewable energy company as they face up to the reality of the consequences of not acting in a different way if we do not save our future. These matters concern us all. I know men, women and children. And as a woman, I am a part of that humanity. Every day for me is International Women's Day. I identify as a Welsh woman from the valleys of South Wales, a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter. But above all, I identify as a socialist. And so I will continue to fight for those words I spoke about at the start of this speech. Fairness, equality, justice, care and compassion, inclusion, opportunity for all to fulfil their potential international solidarity that will only be achieved when we have a socialist society that puts people before profits and then meets people's needs by treating everyone equitably solidarity all do we not rang ladol emerged hapis e bauban hamriel edled abid happy international women's day to everyone in wales and across the globe dear khamal christine Thank you so much for that opening. Fantastic. The voice of progressive politics from Wales, a true socialist. We're delighted that you were able to join us. And we have in England so much to learn from that uh, Welsh Labour government. Thank you so much. OK, so we'll move now to our, uh, our second speaker. But before I do that, I just want to say that we've got a message of solidarity from uh, Varsha Kandikota Nelutla from Progressive International. She's unable to join us, but she does, of course, send solidarity greetings and wish us all the very best uh, for this meeting and on International Women's Day. So uh, we will now move to uh, an, another international speaker with whom we're delighted uh, who is joining us today. It's Danielle Obono. Uh, she's a French parliamentarian uh, for the left-wing uh, uh, La France Insoumise, which did so well in elections over there last year. Danielle, we're delighted to have you with us. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me and organizing this um, very inspiring and, and important conversation between uh, socialist women and socialists um, internationally. I'm very pleased to 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 be part of uh, of this um, conference. I, I may not stay 
uh, long because we have our uh, International Women's Day demo happening uh, this afternoon. So I will um, just uh, have to leave. Um, not too too far after I I end my um, my intervention. I apologize for that, but it will be for uh, the the greater cause and demonstrating in in Paris. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what is happening um, today and and the day after, and uh, what's been happening over the past weeks in in, in France um, regarding women's working class women's and women's rights. Uh, because we are right in the middle of a, um, a massive battle against um, the new pension reform the government is trying to implement. And uh, it is very much um, an anti-feminist uh, reform. And that's also the reason why women are a part of the of the, of the the struggle which is happening. We had a, an, an impressive uh, demonstration yesterday, over 3 million uh, people demonstrated all around the country, and among those demonstrators, women uh, were at the forefront of the of this battle. Um, it's important to understand why and and why it's so crucial for women to be involved, and why also today uh, for the International Women's Day, uh, uh, trade unions have called for uh, a feminist strike. Um, for uh, March 8th and to, to celebrate March 8th, but also to be part of the ongoing uh, strike waves which are happening all around the country in regard of this reform. Let me first uh, give you a, a, a brief overview of uh, what's the place of working class women right now in the, in the, uh, in the working class uh, movement right? uh, in France. They represent 77% of the health profession, 94% of home help, 64% of cleaning staff, 67% of teaching profession. Uh, those are the very people who held our country and I think every country around the world together during the COVID crisis. And those are the ones who are the most under attacked by neoliberal policy, by attacks against the social security system and by uh, the new pension uh, reform. Also, knowing that they are already penalized by the current system, which needs to be reformed, but in the sense of upgrading uh, the rights of the working class people and upgrading the rights of, um, of, of women. Because, as you know, women are the ones who are uh, the, the less, um, who have uh, significantly less uh, salaries during their, 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 their working lives. Uh, the pensions reform uh, system actually perpetuates uh, the inequalities in the working in working life between women and men. There are women are more often in involuntary part-time work. They are discriminated against in hiring. Have twenty-two percent uh, uh, less salary than men, and those, and then forty uh, percent uh, lower pension than than men. Also, uh, because the, the pension reform is, is mostly designed for full and uninterrupted uh, and linear careers, it means that uh, women who have shorter careers, who have uh, sometimes enter, who enter their career in order to, to, uh, to have children or, or, or for whatever reasons they, they, they need, or uh, to take care of uh, elderly uh, families and, and and sick parents, uh, they will they are more affected by 
that uh, when they, they they try to get a decent a decent pen, pension, um, and as a as a result, they already re- retire later than men uh, at sixty two and and seventy months uh, on average for women compared to sixty two year for for men, and and twenty percent of women are ob- are um, ob- have to wait until they are 67 to to stop working uh, compared to 10% if they want a decent a decent uh, pension there are also more women who are uh, in the poverty trap between the end of employment and and retirement age and as i said uh, earlier their their pensions is uh, 40% lower than than men so uh, th- that's the reason why increasing uh, the uh working life working life uh working working class hours uh, as the pensions uh means it means that we have to wait to to work two more years in order to 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 get to the official retirement age it will affect more uh, women uh, the more uh, and that's what also upset a lot of people when we started um opposing the, the 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 pension reform that's the reason why so many people i mean it's an impressive uh, there's an impressive support for the for for the movement right now uh, and especially because people know that there there are alternatives to uh, those kind of politics. Uh, if we, for instance, if we improve minimum wage, we will be able to fund our social security system. If we get equality between men and women in terms of salaries, uh, we will get enough money. Uh, so that's the reason why uh, the vast majority of women are in, are in favor uh, of uh, socialist uh, proposal the the pro working class uh, alternative we are pushing forward in the debate right now because they will benefit the most uh, with better wages and and actually equality um, in in wages and better social security system uh, and that's also the reason why there are so many women who are part of of this uh, big uh, working class movement right now and uh, and hopefully we will be also. Um, there will also be a lot of people uh, into onto the street this afternoon and the day after because they are still called for demonstration. They are still called for uh, strikes uh, tomorrow and, and, and also a big demonstration on Saturday. So I will uh, sum up by saying uh, women are the one who actually held our, 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 our country uh, together, who are the one who stand tall and and take the burden of 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 all the work that needs to be done in a lot of sectors uh so they need to be respected for that and they need to be compensated for that they need equality uh in wage and they also need to have a decent pension uh and and to retire at uh at at uh, at at 60 and and not work longer because they also need and and deserve to enjoy their lives uh after after 60 and not spend their entire life working and toiling for a very poor wage and that's a very important um struggle we are having 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 uh uh in france right now and and women are a part of this struggle at, at the forefront of of the of this of this fight and when women are part of a, a fight, uh, it's the best indicator that we actually can win because uh, we know uh, that 
we have got nothing to lose but uh, exploitation and opposing of exploitation is uh, actually the 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 main link that will also emancipate ourselves and 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 free women for uh, oppression or help women help uh, to free women for for oppression. So. Um, I will end this and uh, and hopefully sharing with you uh, the the fight we are we are we are having here right now and and the and the feminists um, feminists in, being involved in in this fight and working class women being part of this fight will will inspire also people elsewhere and uh, I will send my solidarity to all working class women actually being on strike all over the world and all over Europe and fighting for their rights because it's not just a socialist but also a feminist uh, fight to to lead. And so, happy International Women's Day uh, and 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 long live working class women fighting for their rights. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Danielle. Get out there onto the street and uh, make sure that you make some noise so that we hear the voices of women uh, for socialism and for equality and for, uh, and for uh, justice. So um, I'm now going to ask Sean Errington to do just a very quick plug for all the great work that Arise is doing. Uh, so Sean, over to you. Thanks, Christine. Um, so my job here is to ask people to become a friend of Arise by clicking the link in the chat. Um, as Beth outlined, we're seeing this huge offensive from the Conservatives. We're seeing them build on and continue their austerity assault on women um, and attack our rights. We're seeing their racism and the inhumanity to refugees, nurturing of insecure work and low pay and the inaction on the violence faced by women and girls, including by the police. Um, we need to link together resistance movements with trade unions, left politicians and activists and take inspiration from around the globe. And Arise does that. Um, we're asking people to become a friend of Arise to give a regular gift that you can afford um, to help us keep growing as a powerful platform for peace, justice and liberation and socialist solutions to the crisis. Um, as Christine said at the start, events like today aren't free to put on, but we want to keep them free and accessible for everyone. Um, on Monday, for example, we've got um, another event, which is just two days before the budget here. We've got John McDonnell speaking and John Trickett and also Fran Heathcote from the PCS, Donna Guthrie from Black Activists Rising Against the Cuts, Osam Onoran, who's a professor of economics at Greenwich University, Sarah Woolley, the General Secretary of the Bakers Union, and Rebecca Long-Bailey, all brilliant women. Um, we want to keep giving a platform to these voices and ideas and keep discussing the social solutions and building our strength and making those connections together. So please, if you can, uh, make a donation and become a friend of Arise this International Women's Day by clicking the link in the chat. Thank you very much. And I hope you really enjoy the rest of the event because it looks brilliant. That's great, Sean. Thank you very much indeed. Now, We've got uh, we've got five or six women still left to speak, so I'm going to see if I can gently say try very hard, please, to keep your remarks within the six minutes because we don't want to have to hurry people right at the end. But our next uh, our next speaker uh, is a brilliant speaker. It's it's Holly Turner from uh, NHS Workers Say No, and we know what the struggle is 
both in and for the NHS and the reactionary policies that we've seen from the Tories. So the floor is yours, Holly, to inspire us to fight even more. Thank you. And I'll try and keep to time and just uh, chip in if I'm going over. <laughs> Please do. Uh-huh. Um, thanks for the intro and happy International Women's Day. I'm so pleased to be here today. Um, as introduced, my name is Holly. I'm a nurse, I'm an activist and a trade union rep. And I'm also the founder of a grassroots campaign called NHS Workers Say No, which I set up alongside three other nurses. And we set this up in the middle of the pandemic in twenty summer 2020 to stand up and say, we've got enough, we've had enough, we're at risk, our families are at risk, and so are our patients and the wider communities. We've been hurtling towards this critical point in our NHS for a really long time. And what we wanted to do was empower others to stand up and organise and agitate and demand better. And we really want to be loud in doing that. And we want to make a lot of noise because the struggle for pay and safety across this predominantly female female workforce really is something we should all be shouting about. So after sounding the alarm for over a decade, so many staff across the NHS have become disillusioned or burnt out to the point they've just walked away. 40,000 nurses left the NHS in the last year alone, and we have around 140,000 vacancies across the whole service. We've got applications to study nursing at university dropping by around 30%, and a newly qualified nurse is graduating now with around £70,000 worth of debt to go into a fairly poorly paid profession, which they're going to be working in unsafe conditions, carrying unimaginable workloads and not having those skilled and experienced staff to support them and whilst the government have recently until recently till yesterday actually refused to speak at all with us on pay we've really seen their true motives which is a ramp up of privatization with bright ideas such as charging people for GP appointments charging people to attend A&E stuff like that being floated around um We know this government's policy on NHS pay does disproportionately affect women. We make up 80% of the workforce. So we've got another Tory policy hitting the living standards of women workers hardest. And the exploitation of women is very clear across the NHS. We've been gender stereotyped within our roles um, with the narrative that we're doing our job because we care. And in turn, that demanding this pay increase after over a decade of cuts in some way makes us greedy, which we absolutely reject and we don't accept this. On top of that, despite making up almost three quarters of the workforce, only a third of senior positions are held by women. And this is often suggested in part that it's due to the barriers we face, such as having time off to have children. And then when we return, we're offered little to no flexible working options, which just narrow any further opportunities. So I spoke about us um, rejecting that narrative that we care and that it's a vocation. But of course, we are dedicated to our work and we care deeply for our patients. If we come to the end of our shift and there aren't enough staff, we stay. I've worked a, a 28 hour shift once due to critical staffing levels and I won't be in the minority having done that. We do thousands of pounds worth of unpaid overtime every year trying to plug this gap that's left by our recruitment and retention crisis. 
And I think, unfortunately, the government's abused this level of commitment to continue to force through year after year of cuts to our pay, destroying our basic working conditions and just exploiting us even further. But I think what we've seen now, especially in the last six to 12 months, is that the government have truly underestimated us. And we've seen the first national nursing strike in the Royal College of Nursing's history. And along with that, we've seen national strike action across all corners of the NHS and ambulance service, which has been truly inspiring. But these strikes have been years in the making. This isn't something that just happened in the last six months. We've been building and organising for years to reach this point. And I think on top of that, COVID really was quite a landmark moment, really, where we saw what's happened when we don't invest in our frontline workers and when we don't organise to get the things we need. This government have condemned our strikes as unsafe, but we say the NHS is unsafe every day of the year under Tory austerity. So we absolutely reject that. So as I said, we're in a pivotal moment. Our health unions entered pay negotiations with the government yesterday. Reportedly, these will last for three days, um, but I don't have much faith in them sticking to anything that they're saying. Um, but this really is a testament to the staff who have just worked so hard. They've stood on freezing picket lines for 12 hours, losing pay, because these are the steps we need to take if we want to achieve fair pay and have a safely staffed workforce. And I want to be clear, it's not just about us. It's about safeguarding the NHS for future generations. It's about kicking the privateers and profiteers out who've got no place in our NHS. And we really reject those who are looking towards the private sector to save us, as this is just not the answer. Now, NHS staff with patients and supporters, we're really at the forefront of fighting for the future of our health service, which is why on Saturday, there's a national demonstration in central London. You can find all details at sosnhs.org. And we're marching to demand the crisis in the health service is addressed. And we need to send a clear message to the government. We won't allow the destruction of our NHS. We continue to fight together for a fully funded, publicly owned, free at the point of use NHS to serve all of society at a time when we really need it, at a time when health inequalities are worsening and the gap between the rich and the poor is responsible for the death of thousands. We cannot let this continue. So please keep supporting health workers in their struggle and let's just keep up this fight together for a socialist society. Thank you and solidarity. Great, Holly. Thank you so much. And brilliant timing, too. Um, yeah, and we'll see you all on Saturday, I guess. Um, our next our next speaker is uh, is someone who's very familiar to very many of us, I think, and she's definitely a real fighter. It's Chris Peace from the All Grieve Truth and Justice campaign. Chris, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Um, and can I send out sisterly um, greetings? to everybody um, on this Women for Socialist Change. We're joining together with uh, women across the world today. We are all indeed Rosa's lovely daughters. And to paraphrase Angela Davis, we certainly are not accepting the things that we cannot change, but we are changing the things that we cannot and will not accept. I'm really delighted, uh, and on behalf of the Orgreave Truth and Justice Campaign, thank you to Arise for including us um, in today's event. It is really important that we don't forget uh, that the struggle has been going on for many years and that women have been at the front of it throughout. 
And indeed, the brutal cruelty that we see of the 1980s Tory government, uh, which was aiming to destroy the most militant sections of the British working class. Uh, we are struggling with it now more than ever. In fact, you can say that the year's strike and the attitude of the Tory government, the whole change in how protest is policed, is at the very forefront of our struggle today. I do just want to remind you of the immense nature of that year's miners' strike and the struggles that followed it. This became because the Tories had drawn up a line of attack and that attack was to conquer any defiance shown to them from the trade unions. And we're joined on this panel today of women at the very forefront of struggle in our trade unions and our campaign sends you solidarity uh, and we will win. With the plans to crush the NUM, we also saw a change in policing, as I've referred to. Um, and we have to see that the, the role of picketing uh, became more and more fraught as the year strike went on. But the women stepped up and the role of women was crucial. In March 1984, a number of women who were active in their local mining communities and in local politics started to organise support and solidarity. And we had the birth of women against pit closures, a great movement that showed to me and woke the socialism in me up as a teenager at that time to see women from my class making political argument in the print and broadcast press. Women fought for that strike throughout, and it was women from a variety of cultures and backgrounds, in addition to the many miners' wives and partners. Local government workers joined with home workers, students, peace and anti-racist campaigners, all were united in the desire to see a successful conclusion to the strike. And that would mean a future for our communities, not the communities that we have in Tory Britain in the 21st century. Women fundraised, fed communities, went on pickets, marched, organised events, meetings and rallies and spoke in support of the strike. This was unprecedented and life changing for many of them. It wasn't just putting forward feminist ideas into practice in an industrial dispute. It was putting forward socialist feminist ideas. Now, as the strike got longer and hardship bit deeper, the women's resolve only became stronger as well. Many women who had previously been non-political, even quite hesitant, emerged as gifted and creative individuals. And this experience empowered many women to develop in their future lives. The strike itself was devastating. Um, over 11,000 arrests were made. Many minors and women were arrested and after release put on curfew with severe travelling restrictions, trying to break that solidarity. Police brutally assaulted people on picket lines, leaving strikers and supporters needing urgent medical attention, scarred for life, both physically and emotionally. And the 18th of June in 1984 at Orgreave was one example of many acts of extreme police violence orchestrated and sanctioned by the state. Our campaign, now in its 11th year, was set up to get some kind of inquiry to stop police brutality happening again. And we rely on the right to protest. Police violence and police violence against women is nothing new. From the matchmakers 
to chain makers, suffragettes to women's lib, Grumwick to Greenham, women against pit closures to reclaim the streets. We have seen extreme acts of psychological and physical abuse by the state and police. And we're still getting even more of this draconian legislation against our right to strike, our right to protest. But we seek to carry on. And the actions that the government makes just remind us how important the freedom to stand up for our workplace rights, stand up for our right to protest in a democracy is essential to empower us, initiate change, show support and solidarity, encourage unity, influence the agenda and discussion and provide a platform for minority groups and opinions. While ever the establishment attempt to exclude any form of dissent, we have all the more reason to protest. And I will finish by just quoting from the words of Mal Finch's song, sung by the women of the miners' strike, sung by the women involved in the All Grieve campaign now. United by the struggle, united by the past, it's here we go, here we go for the women of the working class. Solidarity, sisters. That's fantastic, Chris. Thank you. And a brilliant, brilliant ending there. And reminding us all of our history, but all of the important things that we have to be doing now and into the future. Thank you so much. Okay, now we're going to move to uh, another uh, parliamentary comrade. She's a member of the Socialist Campaign Group who has had to struggle on her own behalf, but who joins all of the struggles that are so important for us to be able to realise uh, a socialist future. And we're, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce Absana Begum and to ask her to give us some remarks. Absana, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Christine. Such a warm welcome and also to be among such inspirational uh, women in the UK and abroad as well. Um, on International Women's Day, many take the opportunity to highlight women's achievements. And I'm proud of being the first ever British Bangladeshi woman elected to be secretary of my local party in the UK, the Tower Hamlets Labour Party, and then become the first hijab wearing member of the UK Parliament as well. Um, and recently, I was also delighted that in 2022, um, in December, I won the Young People's MP of the Year Award in Parliament as well. Um, but of course, International Women's Day is not just about celebrating individuals, but about a history of collective strike action and liberationist politics, recognising overlooked and often forgotten work. Where I am from in East London, we have a rich history of women's struggles for social justice, whether that's the Match Girls strike of 1888 or the East London Federation of Suffragettes playing a key role in securing workplace and political rights. Um, we have the memorial clock on Electric House in Bow Road um, in, in the area commemorating uh, the leadership of Minnie Lansbury, who was elected to Poplar Council, uh, my local council in 1921, and was jailed, jailed along with five other women for refusing to charge full rates from her chorus constituents. Women were energetically involved in a number of different political campaigns. Um, for example, the Battle of Cable Street, where the local Jewish community and others stood up to fascists. And women like my mother had to overcome the racism that they faced on a daily basis in the late 1960s onwards, as racism was so prevalent 
Asian and black people were frequently attacked and going alone was a problem, especially for women. And so it's, it's not a question of simply commemorating the past, but about looking back in order to look forward. And I think, I, I, well, I like to quote, quote Greta Thunberg on this when she says about International Women's Day, it's not just for celebrating, rather it's for protesting against and raising awareness about the fact that people are still being oppressed or treated differently because of their gender. And, and we do still have so much to protest against. Women, of course, as, that, um, as has been mentioned, still face structural economic inequality throughout their lives. And this intersects with other structures of inequality, including race and disability. And, you know, women, particularly from Black, Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds, continue to account for at least two thirds of low earners and more, are more likely to be working on zero hour or part time contracts. And of course, the increased overlap of working and caring responsibilities has added to the ongoing reality for so many women that caring continues to be a major factor in a woman's ability to participate on equal terms. More broadly, we can see the hostile and racist immigration system tightening around women facing deportation and drown, drowning women at sea when they try and seek safety. And I do want to say, I mean, you know, I, I do often speak about violence against women and girls. Um, violence against women and girls, including against trans women, continues to blight our society. You know, as people die, there, there are more women uh, dying every day and support services continue to be cut. And we are putting at risk, uh, we are being put at risk by the very people who are meant to be there to protect us. Um, and, and, you know, I myself know personally the impact of domestic abuse um, and, and violence against women and, and how devastating it can be. Um, I'm aware of the many barriers and challenge, challenges facing survivors when they try and access help just to move on. Um, and, you know, people ask me all the time about what the latest is with my own situation. And, and for those that don't know, um, there was an attempt to send me, send me to jail, um, instigated by my abusive ex-husband and his family. There's also been a very painful um, scandal of uh, what is called the trigger process, a process which Labour MPs in the UK undergo um, uh, with members in their local parties uh, so that they can decide whether the sitting uh, member of parliament um, can become a candidate in the next general election. Um, that process was mired by allegations of rule breaking fraud, but also intimidation, also misogyny, um, and conducted whilst I was certified off sick um, and overseen by my ex husband's associate. So, you know, something that's made it unsafe um, uh, and uh, for, for women to participate in my local party um, and creating a hostile sort of environment for women. Um, in particular, and, and the answer to you know what the latest is is unfortunately it's still it, it's still very much uh, the same. Um, I continue to speak out. I continue to have to speak out about how how I'm being targeted and prevented from being able to participate fully in public life. Um, and you know I have to say, I, in all honesty, I, I it's very hard, and I can't sugarcoat it. Um, you know the gaslighting and the silencing is extremely painful and it continues to have an impact on my health and well-being. Um, you know, it, it definitely, you know, is hurtful when, you know, um, my own party refuses to officially congratulate me for winning an award in Parliament, acknowledge, um, you know, me when things are made about commitments to violence against women and girls. 
um, you know, it definitely leaves you sort of wondering and definitely leaves me wondering what it is I've done, what is it about me uh, that I appear to be deemed worthless in this way. Um, I say this because, you know, being the first hijab-wearing MP in the UK Parliament is a milestone. Um, I'm a working-class woman. Um, I was, you know, always been active and been an activist in my local area and, and somebody who became a parliamentarian and, and, and an MP on the back of anti-austerity struggles um, and with such hope for the future. Um, and, you know, it's that history of standing up against violence against women uh, that, you know, that has always had um, a pioneering activism, uh, fighting for social change at its heart, uh, that has inspired me as well. And, you know, our movement has been driven by the bravery of so many, so many who speak out and organise despite the challenges against them and against all odds. And, and I think that's what keeps me going. And I hope you can keep all of you joined us today going as well. Um, and you know, I, I want to say this, I mean, despite everything that's happened and despite everything that I've been through as a survivor of domestic abuse, I won't allow my voice to be silenced or accept anything that would devalue or undermine this step that I've taken in speaking out. Um, I can't submit to it. I hope nobody else in a, a similar situation experiencing anything like domestic abuse submits to it, not for anything. Um, and so, so whilst International Women's Day must be about um, you know, highlighting our achievements, it must be about highlighting ongoing injustices as well. But also at the same time, um, more than this, you know, it should also be about pointing out the way to overcome. And, you know, I've you know, I've been looking at the wave of women engaged in fighting for their rights at the moment. You know, the nurses, the teachers, the civil servants, the lecturers, the cleaners, the unpaid carers and so on, you know, continuing to inspire us. So, you know, whether it's standing up against violence, standing up against austerity or struggling for better working conditions, uh, demanding equal pay, demanding uh, that women be at the heart of the struggle for social justice, rallying, organising and inspiring millions of us. Um, yes, against all odds, that's what keeps me going. I hope that can all keep you going as well going forward. Thank you so much. Absana, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm sure the well over 200 people and counting who are on this call also stand in solidarity with you in your various struggles. And I have to say, we here on this call absolutely salute you. And we say your well-deserved recognition in Parliament by other people is really important to us. Uh, and we're delighted that you were able to join us today. Thank you very much, uh, Absana. OK, we have we have uh, two women left to contribute. Uh, and um, I'm going to come next uh, to Francesca, whom I probably said was going to be the last speaker but actually she's going to be the penultimate speaker so this is this is genuinely about uh, internationalism and about solidarity internationally and being able to build a better future and to give us a glimpse of how massive resistance can shake things up all over the world our next speaker is Francesca Emanuele former Telesur English correspondent and Peruvian uh, democracy campaigner and it's very well, not too early, we hope, but early in the morning for you. So good morning, Francesca. Thank you to, for being with us. The floor is yours. Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you for inviting me to share this space with such amazing women like you all. 
And I would like to take this opportunity to recognize the courage of the thousands of indigenous Peruvian women, Quechua and Aymara, uh, who are my sisters, who have been tirelessly protesting in Peru for the past three months, despite being met with the worst state-sponsored political violence seen in two decades in my country. They are fighting to democratize Peru and put an end to centuries of racism and discrimination. They are demanding the resignation of the current illegitimate government. And even though they are not alone, because according to recent polls, 80% of the Peruvian population shares the same demands. They want the current government to resign. And despite, as I said, that they are not alone, they are the ones putting their bodies on the line, along with other members of rural and indigenous communities. The current interim government in Peru, which came to power last December after the impeachment of the democratically elected president, Pedro Castillo, is resorting to violence to maintain its grip on power. At least 48 civilians, all of them indigenous and rural residents, have been killed by the police and military forces. This tragic loss of lives includes women like Jamelit Aroquipa, a 17-year-old student and volunteered at a shelter for abandoned animals. The community supported Jamilet family that is facing economic difficulties to afford a burial for her. Other women in Peru have been jailed, falsely labeled as terrorists or criminals, simply for raising funds for the families of victims like Jamilet or to pay for the medical expenses of the more than a thousand people in Peru who have been injured by the police and the military. Women who have been socialized to care for others for exercising these feminist, socialist, and admirable actions are now being punished by the cru cruel government uh, led by, ironically, Dina Boluarte, who is the first woman president of Peru. What a shame, honestly. Two days ago, the education minister appointed by Boluarte said that Aymara women who participate in the protest with their children are worse than animals, according to him for putting their children in danger. This highlights the rampant racism among government authorities and shows the normalization of using lethal force to respond to peaceful protests and demonstrations. Before concluding, I would like to urge for international solidarity with the people of Peru. Please write, tweet, and speak out about what is happening in my country. Request your governments to suspend their support for the illegitimate, illegit, illegitimate Peruvian regime and to put a stop to the sale of weapons and ammunition to the country, as the government of Spain has already done, uh, thankfully. Together, let's ask, uh, stand in solidarity on this International Women's Day. Thank you so much. Francesca, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that everyone on this call has heard your message about the absolute need for solidarity with the Peruvian people to make sure that we can do everything we possibly can to remove what is clearly no longer a legitimate government at all. We stand with you and we pledge our support. 
Uh, and now, uh, just before we come to our final speaker, I'm just going to say a few words. I just hope that everyone's had a chance to take a look at all of the action links, including the donation link, um, so that we can carry on providing these uh, brilliant events. Uh, and, uh, and also making sure that you join any future events, uh, uh, including the, uh, the one about ta tackling the cost of living crisis next week on March the 13th. We've just heard how absolutely important it is to be campaigning against the Tories' re uh, reactionary agenda here. But it's also important to be campaigning in solidarity globally and internationally with our sisters in France and obviously with all of the people in particular, the indigenous people, but all people in Peru who are fighting for, for justice and for democracy. So it's absolutely important that we stand together to make sure that we really can build a better world. It's only together that we can do it. And women's voices are front and centre and key and important in that building. And so uh, I'm now going to take us to our last uh, speaker for today before we close the rally. Uh, we're delighted that she's joined us, notwithstanding the fact that she had one or two technical problems. It's Michelle Gildenew, who is a Sinn Féin MP, and she will update us on the popular mood against austerity and the yearning for a progressive alternative in Ireland. Michelle, the floor is yours. Thank you, Christine, and thank you for your indulgence here today with my um, technical difficulties. Um, I'm delighted to be included in this conversation. I'd especially like to thank the organisers for inviting me, but also to thank those amazing, inspirational women who went before me on this call. And it's very humbling to be part of this rally today. Um, I'm a Sinn Féin MP, as you've heard, and uh, as anyone who knows their history well, knows that there's no aspect of our political struggle where women are not to the fore. Um, yesterday, we had the honour of burying an amazing female leader in Dublin, Rita O'Hare. Many of you will maybe have heard of her and her her, her political struggle and and um, military struggle as well. So we, we mourn Rita today on this International Women's Day. But women have been, um, as I've said, at the absolute fore of our struggle. Women on the Falls Road who broke the British Army's lower Falls curfew. Women in the Relatives Action Committee who raised public awareness and brought um, international attention to the prison protests of the 70s and 80s. Women in my own family, my mother, my aunt and my grandmother were to the fore of the, the squat and subsequent eviction in Caledon in 1968, which led to my own involvement in politics. And I say this not to be provocative, but in order to provide context for where we are today and just how far we've come. Because as a Sinn Féin elected representatives, I'm proud to stand on the shoulders of these giants. And whatever the challenges we may face today, we walk in their footsteps. And the greatest service that we can do to them is to carry forward the work that they can no longer do. Because I'm an Irish Republican, I'm not only an Irish citizen who wants to see my nation united and free, but I'm also a woman who's determined to realise a society that empowers women and enshrines our rights as equal citizens. And the liberation of women is a cornerstone of Irish Republicanism. The first woman elected to Westminster was a Sinn Féin woman. I'm proud to be the second woman elected to Westminster, but Constance Markovich, the first woman, was also the first woman to sit at cabinet level in Ireland. Sinn Féin was the first party in Ireland to be led by a woman. Margaret Buckley, who led the party from 1937 to 1950, and obviously our current party president and last week their own vice president, Mary Lou MacDonald and Michelle O'Neill are both women. But that's not to say that our party is perfect. Women 
occupying positions of power is important, but it's not enough. There remain significant barriers for women, structurally, culturally and institutionally. And as a party, we still have work to do. We have worked to increase the representation of women in elected office, both through gender quotas at candidate level and by proactively going out and asking women to be candidates. Because any inequality in society is fundamentally caused by an inequality of power. And political decisions may still dominate all of our cultural, social, economic and legal infrastructures. We've seen the rise of violence against women predicated, I think, by the availability of porn and the unnatural um, notions that young men have growing up. And political decisions by men, which ultimately reflect the needs of men. We still have to counter a macho political culture where aggression and confrontation are valued more than debate and conversation. And we've seen this most recently with the resignations of Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand and Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland. Here in Ireland, even with the advances of recent years, we still have some way to go to disestablish our patriarchal society, North and South. In the 26 counties, the Irish constitution still stipulates that the state recognises that by her life within the home, Women give to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. So in this day and age, the Irish state is still telling women that constitutionally their place is in the home. I don't know about any of the rest of us, but I've always been taught (laughs) that our place is in the revolution. So we've had the research, we've had all the debates, and we've listened to the good intentions of others. But what we need now is delivery. In last May's assembly elections in the North, people voted for change. In a historic result, Sinn Féin was returned as the largest party to the Assembly and Michelle O'Neill was elected to be the People's First Minister. And this in a state that deliberately designed more than a century ago to ensure that a Northern nationalist woman could never occupy the highest office in the land. Something many thought to be impossible was done. And for the nine months since then, the DUP has used the pretext of the protocol to block the Assembly from meeting. Following last week's announcement, There now exists, and even by their own peculiar logic, there now exists no justification for this continued boycott of democracy. The onus is very much on the DUP. It is make your mind up time. The negotiations are over and the DUP need to realise this. The vast majority of people want to see the executive, all parties around the executive table. They want a government up and working for them, dealing with the issues that affect their lives. Because the opportunity for real change in Ireland is now within our grasp. Sinn Féin's most popular party in the south of Ireland. And we've seen Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, the two Conservative parties that have dominated politics in the Irish state, enter government together. And why? Again, solely in order to keep Sinn Féin out. Mary Lou Macdonald is now the first female, the first leader of Sinn Féin to lead the official opposition. And she's the first woman opposition leader. I hope that very soon she'll become the first woman Taoiseach and the first Sinn Féin president to lead a government in Dublin. And aside, alongside her party colleague, Michelle O'Neill in the North. Now, wouldn't that be a nation of true, a government of true nation builders? And we are a generation North and South that can build a new state, a home for all of our people, a peaceful and prosperous nation. As Senator Mitchell said at the time of the Good Friday Agreement, life is change. And the Good Friday Agreement remains our framework for managing change. It provides for unity referenda. It demands a commitment to solely peaceful and democratic means. It places an obligation to promote parity of esteem, equality and respect for differing identities. And these are explicit obligations that will carry over into a united Ireland. So it's now past the time to begin 
to prepare for UND referenda because democracy is nothing to be afraid of. Because our struggle is about more than the reunification of territory. We want the unity of our people as well. We need to look towards the rainbow of colours and multiculturalism that make up modern Ireland. And the vision we carry is of a new Ireland. Not the six counties bolted onto the current mess down in Dublin, but a new republic that overcomes the differences and divisions of the past. A workers' republic that brings together all our people. We in Sinn Féin are confident that we have the potential to build this inclusive society, to build a fairer form of government and an economy that works and delivers for everyone. And so, my friends, comrades, we hope that everyone in this call can join us in becoming persuaders and supporters for Irish Unity. And in the spirit of a comradely appeal, I do ask today you re-engage with what, with what is happening in Ireland, both north and south. And it's fair to say the cause of Ireland has slipped off the agenda for much of the left here in Britain and for understandable reasons. But as often been quoted before, the cause of labour is the cause of Ireland. The cause of Ireland is the cause of labour. Labour. They cannot be dissevered. So raise the cause of Ireland at your trade union branch meetings, your CLP meetings, or whatever political organisation you're a member of. Discuss it with your friends and family. Ensure that Ireland is back on the agenda of the British left. And so happy International Women's Day and solidarity in your own political struggles. While it may be easy to become despondent, keep the faith. We can make history. Now is an exciting time to be a political activist. Now is an exciting time to be United Irelander. So let us go forward with hope and confidence and public about. Michelle, thank you so much for rounding up today's International Women's Day rally with such a with such a note of hope, but also just giving us so many examples of the inspiring work that's being done by women, both North and South uh, in Ireland. So sisters and comrades, thank you so much. Thanks very much. I want to thank on behalf of on your behalf, all the speakers who joined. I also want to thank you for uh, being with us and listening to all of those uh, inspiring speeches. Look, we as uh, as women on International Women's Day, we know we know what we stand against. We stand against oppression. We stand against racism. We stand against misogyny. We stand against injustice everywhere. But we also know those things for which we stand, and we stand for liberation, for democracy, for equality. And we stand for the leadership of women in all spheres, in, in everywhere, politically. And so I just close by saying, happy International Women's Day, but actually solidarity every single day to every woman worldwide. Thank you so much for joining us. Solidarity. <laughs>